Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. Hello everybody, take a seat. Have you ever wanted to put someone in their place? (laughs) Have you ever felt somebody got too big for their boots and it was your job to take them down a peg or two? (laughs) I have to admit that I have from time to time um, and it has sometimes got me into a bit of trouble. When I was a student, um, I was in a, a pub in Edinburgh with a group of friends one night and um, it was a busy place, and um, we went and took two tables, but there was a guy at um, one of the tables already, and um, this really big, um, muscular guy, taller than me, and much, much wider than me, <laughs> um, and uh, we got talking to him, it turned out he was a, um, he was a Dutch um, Guy, he was a university graduate actually, but um, for some reason he'd um, he'd come over to Edinburgh to work on a building site, and he was absolutely um, built to work on a building site. Um, I do not remember what the conversation was about, but what I do remember is this guy had a lot of opinions and expressed them very forcefully, uh, with a lot of swear words included. And um, I don't think any of us around the table agreed with what he was saying. Um, But I kept very quiet for much of the evening, and various other people engaged him in discussion a bit. Um, But actually, my blood was boiling. Um, This guy had a lot of attitudes um, which were really irritating me. And when the time... uh, He left before... um, No, we left before he did. Time came for us to go, and... um, I thought, now's my chance. Um, I will have the last word here. <laughs> so I stood up, leant over him, and um, said, said my piece, everything that I'd been thinking all the evening. And um, then I, I said, um, um, you sit and, and have a think about that. Drink and think. <laughs> and for a, for a nanosecond... I thought it had been very clever. And then when I felt his fingers um, gathering around my wrist, I realized that I had actually been incredibly stupid. The <laughs> <laughs> next thing that happened was he punched me in the chest and um, threw me across to the other side of the room. <laughs> and um, he stood up to his um, full height and said, And now... I will punch you in the face. (laughs) Fortunately, he had had a lot more to drink that evening than I had. Um, Otherwise, you might be seeing me um, tonight with different facial features from what I have here. (laughs) But I managed to get out of the pub before he could carry out that threat. But, you know, what I was doing that night was... I was exposing that man's weakness, and he didn't like it. I was pointing out before everybody where he was wrong, and of course, he objected to that. 
And you know, human nature was operating in me that night because human nature likes to expose weaknesses in others. But you know, God says the opposite. God says, cover them. And I want to have a look tonight in Genesis chapter 9 at some guys that made different choices about exposing somebody's weakness. This is all about Noah. It's an event that happened in the life of Noah after the whole um, Noah's Ark saga was finished. And Noah had become a farmer. We pick it up in Genesis chapter 9 verse 20. Noah, a man of the soil, proceeded to plant a vineyard. When he drank some of its wine, he became drunk and lay uncovered inside his tent. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw his father naked and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment and laid it across their shoulders. Then they walked in backwards and covered their father's naked body. Their faces were turned the other way so that they would not see their father naked. When Noah awoke from his wine and found out what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, the lowest of slaves will he be to his brothers. He also said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Shem. May Canaan be the slave of Shem. May God expand Japheth's territory. May Japheth live in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be the slave of Japheth. And here we have Ham coming along. And he spots Noah's weakness and takes advantage of it. Let's be in no doubt about this. Noah was a sinner. You know, he had been drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking. And he had drunk himself totally insensible. We can can maybe make a few excuses on Noah's behalf. Perhaps this was the first time he'd ever made wine. Perhaps he didn't know what effect it was going to have on him. But, you know, when it comes down to it, Noah was a sinner. But, you know, the Bible doesn't dwell on his sin. The Bible is much more interested here in the response of Noah's sons when his weakness is exposed. And Ham's response is to dishonor. Ham's response is to expose his father, is to bring him down. Ham sees Noah lying there naked and and unconscious, and he's going out sniggering. He's saying, hey, come and look at Dad. (laughs) Look what he's done. He's a total disgrace. And maybe he's thinking back to some time when when Noah disciplined him a bit harshly, and maybe he's thinking, I'll get my revenge on, on Dad tonight. I'll thoroughly embarrass him. That's the response of human nature. But Shem and Japheth, something different, rises within them. They're not condoning Noah's sin. They're not saying it's okay. But what they're doing here is they're saying, he's still my father. He's still a great leader. He's still the Noah of Noah's ark. And he's still worthy of honor. And they realize that their job is not to expose Noah's weakness, but to cover it. And you know, you are surrounded by people with weaknesses. And believe it or not, that includes church leaders. But your job is not to go around pointing out their weaknesses. Your job is to cover them. And tonight's dare is this. 
says, I dare you to honor. Because this is all about the, the choices we make in our responses towards other people. Will we follow in Ham's route and dishonor his father? Or will we follow Shem and Japheth and bring honor even where honor perhaps wasn't deserved? Honor means evaluing. Bible talks a lot about honor. To honor means to show something is valuable, precious, or weighty. It's to show appreciation, esteem, favorable regard, respect, and encouragement. To dishonor is the opposite. It means to to not show respect or value, to treat as common, ordinary, or menial. And the Bible tells us, firstly, to honor God, and secondly, to honor people. And honoring people is not about saying this person is perfect. It's about saying this person was created by God to do great things. This person has value because God made them. This person has value because God says they're valuable. And whatever they've done, whether they deserve honor or not, I'm going to choose to give honor. I'm going to look for the positives and I'm going to celebrate them. Because, you know, there's always something to celebrate if we look for it. So tonight's dare. I dare you to honor. Honor is not just important because it's the right thing to do. But honor actually changes circumstances. Honor transforms situations. Because honor strengthens people. Honor changes people. Honor builds people. And honor in church is a vital part of people reaching their destiny in God. We become who we're called to be because God believes in us. But one of the ways God shows that he believes in us is through the honor, through the affirmation, through the encouragement of other people. And a church without honor is one that has chosen to limit itself. It's one that has chosen not to to fully develop its people. It's one that has, has made a decision not to impact its city in a great way. A church with honor is a church with the potential to maximize its impact. Because it's a church that encourages people. It's a church that builds people. It's a church that raises people up. And the junction is a church like that. How can we honor others? Many, many ways. Speaking positively at all times. Going the extra mile. Looking for ways in which to bless people. Saying yes when we don't have to. There's a great one. When you're busy and one of the leaders comes to you and asks you to to do something, there are always plenty of excuses, plenty of good excuses. But will you say yes? Will you go the extra mile for someone? Because ultimately, you're going the extra mile for Jesus. Honor results in breakthrough. Honor results in blessing. And by honoring and encouraging others, we're bringing breakthrough and blessing to other people's lives. And when we get hold of this principle, the honor principle, it transforms our lives and it transforms our relationships. Everyone needs encouragement. Even leaders need encouragement. Especially leaders need encouragement. I remember speaking to to a man in air um, many, many years ago. Uh, and talking about the importance of encouraging people in the church and building people up. And he said, you don't want to do that too much or they'll get (laughs) big-headed. 
you know, it is not our job to, to keep people down. It's not our job to prevent people getting big-headed. Some people in church life are big-headed, and it is not because of your encouragement. The truth is, most of us are the exact opposite. Most of us are insecure. Most of us need built up. Most of us are lacking self-worth and self-value. And we need other people to get around our lives from time to time to say, keep going. To say, have a go for God. To say, you can do it. And to say, God has a great plan for your life. I want to look back tonight at the, the book of First Kings and the life of Elijah. First Kings 19, uh, we're going to pick this up in verse 3, but let me just set the scene. Elijah has had the most amazing experience. He's, he's had the most triumphant point in his ministry. He's just turned around a nation. This is a nation where... Um, Queen Jezebel has brought in um, priests of, of, of Baal and established the most terrible demonic religion in the land. And Elijah has just wiped them out. Elijah's been to the top of the mountain. He's prayed to God. God sent fire from heaven. It's consumed the sacrifice. All the priests of Baal have been slaughtered. Elijah should be on top of the world. But instead, Elijah... Here's a rumor. He hears a story. Jezebel's after you. And it's actually true. Um, Je- Jezebel has, has sworn to remove his head from his shoulders. Uh, but nevertheless, we'll hear rumors, and they may be true. We'll hear negative reports, and they may be true. But that doesn't mean that fear need consume us. That doesn't mean that fear need shut us down. But fear gets a hold of Elijah here. And we're picking this up in verse 3. Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, this is right down in the southern part of the, of the, the country, he left his servant there while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said, Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. And so he's run right down to the south of the land, but he doesn't stop there. He keeps going across the desert into Sinai in the the north of Egypt. And when he gets there, God speaks to him. Verse 9, the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. It's very easy for us to judge Elijah. And certainly he should not have been moaning, he should not have been whinging, he should not have been spouting negativity. But I think if we're honest, most of us have probably been here too. Elijah says, 
says three significant things here. He says he's been working really hard for God and he's seen no results. That's effectively what he says. And this is after the, the fire has fallen on the mountain. He says that he's all alone and nobody's standing with him. And he says he feels like he would like to die. He's wrong about all of them. He's consumed by negativity. He's got the wrong perspective. But, you know, most church leaders have been in this place too at one time or another. And while we have, we have a responsibility for our own lives, we need to encourage ourselves. We need to, to get into that place with God. But we also have a responsibility for each other. And I'm not for a moment condoning Elijah's pity party. This is wrong. But I do think that he was lacking an encourager. And you know, I think God thinks that too. Because immediately after this, he gives Elijah an encourager. Verse 15, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram, anoint Jehu son of Nimshi king over Israel, and anoint Elisha son of Shaphat from Abel-Meholah to succeed you as prophet. As soon as God manages to break through the negativity, as soon as God manages to, to shut down this moaning and whinging, God says, go back the way you've come and I'll give you an encourager. Elisha is going to be a successor, but he isn't just a successor. He's Elijah's right-hand man. He's someone that's going to, to bring encouragement, speak positively, build up the man of God. You may have noticed back in verse 3 that Elijah already had a servant before this. And the servant didn't come with him. It doesn't explain why. Um, but I'm guessing this servant wasn't much of an encourager. I'm guessing this, encur this servant wasn't really honoring his master. He was doing his job. Maybe Elijah told him, why don't you stay behind here? But whatever the reason, he's taking that option. He's taking that opportunity. I reckon he's probably scared of Jezebel too. And he's thinking the farther he is from the man of God, the safer he's going to be. <laughs> and God thinks he needs a new guy. For the next 20 years, they reckon, Elisha stuck with the prophet through thick and thin. And at the very end, when Elijah said, you stay here while I go on, Elisha repeatedly refused. He stuck with his master. He honored him to the end. He supported and encouraged him. He accepted that dare to honor at all times. And, you know, the result of this is that Elijah gets out of his dark place and enters into another 20 years of fruitful ministry. God wants to speak encouragement into every life. And he wants to do it through you and me. Yes, God speaks in many ways. He speaks through his word. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. He speaks through that vo inner voice on the inside. But a big way that God speaks is through the voice of others. God sends people around our lives to build us up. 
And he sends you around other people's lives to build them up. We're all called to be Elisha's. We're called to be Elisha's to our church leaders and to one another. It says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. It's your job to build up other people. God's in the construction business. He's building people. He's building churches. He has a plan for, it, for every church. He has a plan for every life. And you're one of the brickies. You're one of the, of the laborers on God's building site. You're one who can take a brick from here and put it there. You're one who can build up that wall around other people's lives. Now the Bible says then that you're a building. And the Bible says the church is a building. And that those buildings are going to glorify God. And you know, if we want a great church, we need to be encouragers. If we want a great church, we need to honor. If we want a great church, we need to support others. We need to be willing to lay down our our own agenda and to grab brick after brick of encouragement and stick them in to other people's lives. Because encouragement builds. Honor builds. You speak positively about someone, they will go further than if you're constantly trying to bring them down. You spot weaknesses in other people's lives. It's not your job to expose those weaknesses. Unless you have a, a pastoral responsibility and then you do it, you do it privately and sensitively. But anybody else? No. It's your job to bring encouragement. It's your job to build up. It's your job to, to reinforce what God is saying about that person's life. To say, go for it. To say, have a go for God. To say, catch a hold of the vision of the church. To say, you can do it. You can break through. We each become what God calls us to be through the influence of the local church around us, the people that God has connected us with. And that means, firstly, that we each need to get stuck into church so that we can be encouraged. And secondly, that we need to be looking out for opportunities to honor others, encourage them, and build their lives. Appreciation builds. So dare to appreciate. Encouragement builds. So dare to encourage. Honor builds. So dare to honor. You will transform others' lives. You will transform this church as as we put this into practice. You know, so often in church, people jump upon weakness. People, uh, People pounce upon mistakes that someone's made. Next time you see a weakness, cover it. How can I protect that person? How can I stop that weakness being exposed? That that weakness may be a sin, it may not be a sin at all. It may be they're no good at doing something. You step in and do it for them. Don't point out that they can't do it. You step in, cover that area in their life. Be an Elisha. Elisha spent 20 years 
serving the prophet. 20 years when they... When the prophet had a headache, Elisha was running down the road to, to get the paracetamol. When the, when the prophet's meal wasn't right, Elisha was, was cooking another one. When, they, when the king was threatening to, to chop his head off, Elisha was there right by his side, backing him up, sharing his, his troubles and saying, I've no doubt you can do it. Get up and go again for God. You can do something great. And you know what? Because of that, Elijah did do something great. Elijah impacted his nation. No less than that. Elijah spoke to kings. Elijah changed the the spiritual climate. Elijah did powerful things. And later, Elisha did them too. But an important part of Elijah's ministry is that encouragement. That right-hand man. Be somebody's right-hand man. Be somebody's right-hand woman. Be an encourager. Be someone who will build up. Let's pray together tonight. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.